0: This is Tom Field with ISMG, and I'm speaking with Ben Smith with RSA in the wake of our threat hunting discussion in Vienna, Virginia. Ben, thanks so much for joining me.
1: Tom, thanks so much for having me today. I appreciate it.
0: So, Ben, we really had a diverse group of attendees at the table there, many from governments, from financial services. What impressions did you come away with from this group about their state of maturity when it comes to threat hunting?
1: Well, Tom, you know, as we've discussed before, th- threat hunting really is kind of an advanced topic. So these roundtables are very valuable, not just from an attendee perspective, but from my perspective, I learn a lot coming out of these particular sessions. And what really struck me out of this Vienna, Virginia session that we recently concluded was, as you would expect in the Washington, D.C. suburbs, we definitely had a good government presence, but we also had a number of large and small uh, publicly traded or private uh, firms, folks that are not necessarily in the government. And the uh, maturity level was higher, quite frankly, than I was expecting. Uh, even here in the D.C. area, we had some folks that brought some uh, very interesting new alternative approaches. Being able to, to lead conversations and have the true subject matter experts talk, the customers who are uh, attending these sessions, talked about their real-world experiences trying to grapple with and hopefully solve this problem is what makes it most worthwhile.
0: Well, I agree. And I also agree that it was a mature group. But even with that level of maturity, we spent a good deal of time talking about the obstacles they face to improving their threat hunting capabilities. What did you come away with as their biggest obstacles?
1: Yeah, so when people talk about obstacles, Tom, it's very natural to think of an obstacle as a technical challenge. And that's true. You want to have the right tool set. You have to have the right people. You have to have the right workflows when you're thinking about threat hunting holistically. But one of the interesting things we talked about at that event was one of the obstacles can actually be something as straightforward as poor documentation. Uh, We all live in a world where we have too much stuff to do. Threat hunting in a lot of organizations tends to be an add-on or a carve-out of somebody else's responsibilities. I'm nominally assigned to do X for 40 hours a week. If I'm lucky, maybe I get a couple of hours a week just for threat hunting, and that's a great place, by the way, for many organizations to start this conversation. But the obstacle we spent a little time talking about was this whole concept of what do you accomplish if it's an hour a week, two hours a week, or however you've structured it, what do you accomplish, and more importantly, Did you document your work? Did you understand that this part of the network is indeed now comprehensively mapped out? Did we understand that there was a new threat actor that potentially was found in your environment based on news reports or some other data, maybe an indicator of compromise or an IOC? Lack of documentation, Tom, was one of the takeaways out of that conversation. And it's an area that a lot of folks just don't think about because, again, we think about obstacles being technical challenges. This is more of an administrative or a documentation challenge, which is an obstacle in and of itself.
0: One of the things that always sticks with me from our conversations is how you tell organizations that if you don't take the time to document your network, your infrastructure, adversary will.
1: Yeah. Yeah, that is, that is so true, uh, and it's not just uh, Ben Smith that is saying that, uh, folks like Rob Lee and other folks in the industry. It's been a pretty consistent theme around you know if you happen to be, whether you're in the middle of a breach or in the immediate aftermath of a breach, if you're the first person who has mapped out your network, you've got a ton of problems above and beyond what you think that you're working on. One of the things we talked about at that event, Tom, was the reality that a lot of the problems that we all grapple with or struggle with in the world of information security ultimately boil down to asset management. You can't secure what you don't know if you have or not. What's plugged into my network? And even if I knew what that answer was last week or even yesterday, did we just do a merger? Did we just bring on a new hire? Did we just stand up a new company location somewhere else? If you don't have a good handle around your asset management, that's a problem. If you take a look a little more holistically at the NIST cybersecurity framework, which has now been out for a good you know, four-plus years, just this year revised uh, to its 1.1 version, the very first leg in that five-part journey within the cybersecurity framework is all around Identify. And folks that are not familiar with that framework might look at that and say, oh, maybe it's I, I need to identify the adversary, and it's not that at all. Identify in the NIST cybersecurity framework model is all around identifying your own infrastructure, identifying your assets. So it might not scream asset management is important, but that's what the cybersecurity framework is based on. That's its first of its five legs. And that really goes to the point, Tom, that you and I are talking about now. If if you're not the first person to have figured out what's plugged into your network, if it's an adversary, you've got a bigger problem than maybe you realize.
0: So, Ben, you and I have had the privilege of being able to have this conversation now in Texas, and New York, now in Vienna. What specifically did you learn from this discussion that you might apply to future conversations that we have?
1: I think that one of the things that I learned out of this specific conversation goes back to the unique audience that we had here, Tom. You and I talked a little bit about this right after the event, how it's great when you get a U.S. government individual, or in our case, we had more than one individual from the U.S. government attend that event. Uh, it's sometimes hard because this is not just an advanced topic, threat hunting. It's also a very sensitive topic uh, we talk about the importance of tools and people and technologies as a means to meet this challenge and some organizations sometimes the u.s government i will include in that feel that that is somewhat proprietary it's kind of hard to share that even in a safe environment we structure these events under chatham health rules so that you know people are not going to attribute anything that was said to any specific individual but it was a reminder to me tom that you know as, as hard as we work to kind of bring people together, we also need to be respectful and and remember that some of this information is sensitive enough that folks just are not able to share at the level of detail they would like. But even those representatives from the U.S. government, because they are there not just for the event, not just to make contact, not just to enjoy a good meal, uh, they want to contribute. So uh, even though if we didn't have necessarily a lot of meat from those U.S. government customers, Tom, Uh, We we definitely had good participation. So I I hope there was a clear answer there. That was one thing that was a reminder to me that unlike in some of the other territories, geographies where you and I have staged these types of dinners, D.C., because of its heavy U.S. government presence, it was a good reminder that sometimes uh, there's some additional work, there's some additional trust to be built between organizations to get those folks to contribute.
0: No, Absolutely. Ben, it was a great conversation. I look forward to having this discussion with more organizations and individuals across the geographies and look forward to sitting down with you again soon.
1: Absolutely, Tom. I'm looking forward to it.
0: Ben, thanks so much.